Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. We are back with another episode of Believe in Ravens on the Believe Network. I'm Kyrie Thompson, and I am joined, as always, by my guy and your favorite former Ravens tight end, Danny Wilcox. Yo, Danny, okay, look. I got I got to let him in on this a little bit because I swear like we just have we, we just like start talking, you know, right. we, just, we just start like going off on like tangents and stuff like that football related. And it's just wild, like, like before the show. And so I just want to give give a glimpse into this like this man's over here talking to me about like having to be a tight end blocking guys like Javon curse and and freaking james harrison and i'm over here like no 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 not not my man not like this because i'm over here thinking about how bad it is to see guys like say like hunter henry get stuck on an island with like tj watt or something like that like as as sometimes happens you know for the the new england patriots or whatever so i already see like see stuff like that that's bad enough but then like you're talking about guys that i grew up with like I grew up watching and I'm just like, you knew those dudes were bad and you had to stand up to that. That's wild. Yeah, man, I was always undersized tight end. So, you know, standing six, two, six, two and a half around two twenty five, two thirty five, you know, maybe two thirty five at the beginning of the season. But by the end of the season, definitely around two twenty five, two twenty four. And, you know, I would have to block, you know, Demarcus Ware, you know, your James Harrison's. Um, you know, your Terrell Suggs every day in practice. You know, James Harrison was on the same team with me when I was in NFL Europe over in Germany. So when I came back to the Ravens, he went to the Steelers. He was with the Steelers. I mean, with the Ravens allocated over to Germany. And then they had they let him go, actually. And they decided yeah. to sign me because they needed an extra tight end. And they had too many linebackers at the time, you know. So James was one of the, get the linebackers that, that they decided didn't make the cut. That's why every time he played the Ravens, he had a personal vendetta to try to wreck us. And um, a lot of times I was on the receiving end of that wreck. You know, he would come off the sideline and, you know, he was he was so low to the ground as well as I was. You know, I was very yeah. I was very athletic, very flexible. So I used to win with leverage and quickness. And when I got to James, you know, he was lower than me because he was just built different. He was like a forklift on the field, man. So he would yeah, I mean, lift me up off my feet. No, because he was he was only six foot. But the thing is, he was six foot what i don't know 250 pounds but you've like we've seen this dude in the weight room oh like he's he's nasty you know yeah. he, he's out there still right now could probably throw down like he he's probably out here still squatting like 600 pounds yeah we I, gave him the nickname debo over in germany you know he came back with him from germany but we we initially we was the ones that originally gave him that name debo I mean, he did a he, really good job of impersonating Debo too. He, he he would have been a good stunt double for Debo in the Friday movies. He would have like back in the day. <laughs> like like, uh, D, Debo is scared of James Harrison. You know what I mean? <laughs> like 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 G, like, D, like like Debo in the movies. He he checks under his bed at night for James Harrison because that dude was was mean as all hell. But look, yeah. I I want I want to get into this man because it, this isn't quite Ravens related, but football's back tonight. We we have I mean. It's the Hall of Fame it's game, official. and most people that we care about are not actually playing the game. Like, for example, for for the the New York Jets, it's not Aaron Rodgers out there. You know, it's it's Zach Wilson, and the Cleveland okay. Browns are like not even playing like any of their starters and, and and all that good stuff, right? But it's a sign, right, that football is is coming back. And I want to know, like, for for you, right, the the preseason was different back then. 
because it was four games and i think the the hall the teams that play in the hall of fame game i think they get an extra preseason game i i think i might be wrong about that but i think they can get four but everybody else gets three i gotta look that up okay so so don't hold me to that right now i gotta look that up but right now they, they yeah. cut the number of of preseason games down to three and now you get an extra regular season game so the calculus kind of changes it used to be like yeah the first preseason game out of four you know you play like maybe your starters play a series and then they ramp it up you know week two and three and then and then week three is the tune-up for the regular season and then week four is like the week for everybody who's not really playing like or who's trying to make the roster like that's their week to like go out there and do their thing but now the calculus is starting to change where some people skip the, the first game some people skip the third game but you know, at one point or another, some point is the dress rehearsal. But for you, when you're looking at this right now in this game, and, and this is a precursor to what the Ravens are going to be doing next week when they, they face the Eagles in the preseason, like what is the thing that you were thinking about when you would hit the field for preseason game one? Like, was there ever like any, any particular thing that you were thinking like, man, I really want to get out there and accomplish like this particular thing. And like, maybe it's not the worst thing in the world. Like if I don't go out and like get like 10 catches for a hundred yards or something. It was always make plays for me, you know, do anything you can to make plays. I used to always ask God to give me all the blessings that he can. And I'm ready to accept them that day. I've worked hard. I'm prepared. Whatever you throw my way, God, I'm going to capitalize on them. And I used to walk out there every single time, man. And I just wanted to make plays, you know, whether it was on special teams and whether it was on offense. And a lot of times, you don't actually have to hit nobody to make a play. You know, it's just really hustle plays, you know, just getting in position, doing the things you have to do, being the first one down the field on kickoff, you know, covering punks, punts well and making the guy stop and change direction and somebody else come make the tackle, you know. So anything you could do to make a play, man, you know, disrupt disrupt the other team as much as possible. And then on offense, if they throw you the ball, catch it. And if you if you got to block somebody, make sure you stop them from getting on the tackle. And I would try to block, I would try to be like a little gnat since I was so small, I was fast and quick, you know, I saw it be a little net, you know, like you was talking about earlier, earlier Kyrie, where you just kind of kept punching the guy backside of play as he tried to run and get angles. I would do that the whole game, you know, like all game long, just be like this little net on the D lineman. And they used to hate me because every time they would try to sling me off, I would be right back like next three steps and I would be cutting them off again. And I love being on the backside of plays because I can actually use my athleticism, and my quickness to try to beat defensive ends to the actual play and to the, to the spot of the ball. So I had a great time, man. I just stayed focused on trying to make a play and not making no mistakes. That was really, really key. Cause if you make mistakes, you can guarantee you'll be on that next cut on your way home. And that's like the one thing, right? So, so for, for context, right? So we were over here talking before the show because, mm -hmm. you know, I, I, you know, talked about like my, and I would play, you know, again, right? Like I, you know, playing right now, I didn't play in the NFL, you know, but it, it was, you know, something where like, you know, I, I, I had like, you know, my, my opportunity, like potentially play and stuff like that. I was just talking a little bit about just for fun, like my mm -hmm. style of doing things. Like I actually talking in, in this, in, for perspective, I'm like always the, so I would just be running around pestering the hell out of people. Like when I would go out there and block, like if you, like, if I got in front of you, like I'm, I'm, I'm just hitting people in the face or like, you're not, not in the face necessarily, but like in, in the, you know, upper shoulder pads, just, just hitting you until you gave up. 
blocking sometimes you all the, the way face. off the field, chase, chasing the you until like I just pissed you off to the point where like you made a mistake and then finally I get under you like, and like knock you out. Like, you, don't you know, there's like stuff. There's actually like some stuff like on film where, hey, man, like I actually put some people down. Like, and but again, I'm like 150 pounds. So it's like, I feel like I was born into the body of somebody who just like was, was just too small to like play the way I wanted to play. But no, I, I totally feel that, right? You, whatever you've got to do to go out there and play. And, and I, I'm curious though, cause like it's the first preseason game. So, you know, this isn't like week one of the regular season where it really, really counts. But for some guys, right, who are fighting for roster spots, it matters a whole hell of a lot. And so, like in your mind, like when you're when you were were attacking and thinking about week one of the preseason, like was it kind of a similar level of pressure for you, like going into it, even though it wasn't like a regular season game? Well, you have you have to keep in mind too, Kyrie. Like the preseason is opportunity for guys to really make the team. So if you're a new guy, like my rookie year going into the preseason, I looked at it like every preseason game was a real regular season game. A lot of times, even if you make the team, you don't play all year long because you have starters that's already been there. You'll just be a backup guy. If the guy in front of you don't get hurt, you never see the field. So this is your opportunity to show them that you're ready and show them that you're prepared and you study hard and, and you're a heck of a player and you're elite and you, you can separate yourself from everyone else during the preseason. You know, so I took those games like they was real legit games, even though they dress rehearsals pretty much. You know, that was live games for me. It wasn't, it wasn't, that was my regular season. I used to actually treat practice the same way. And I tell my kid this every day. I like treat practice like a game. So a game feels like practice, you know? So I go out to practice. I'm dressed just like I'm going to a game. I got my socks pulled up. I'm spatted up, taped up, my wrist ready to go. Got my ankles taped. You know, I'm, I'm game ready. I'm fresh to death. They used to say I was the freshest guy in practice every day because I treated practice like a game. So, so, so that when I got to the games, they felt like practice. So when I got to the special teams games and those preseason games, I got a chance to play offense in. I wanted to go out there and give a game-like look just like I did in practice every single day. So if I was on a practice squad, if you went against me, you had to go against me full tilt and full speed because I knew you had to get ready to play as well. So I had a job to do on a exactly. practice squad those two years. So I get, I left everything on the field as much as I could. Yeah. And then you never know when your opportunity is going to come. So it's like you don't you don't get those opportunities if you're not practicing hard. Like you got to go. Like I, I remember that's what it was like for me. So I actually my sophomore year of high school, I had like I had a heart. I had a heart problem. So I, I skipped yeah. that whole year of football and I wasn't sure if I was ever going to play again. Mm -hmm. And so I like. I I just left out. I focused on track, which is like hilarious. Why would you go focus like play more track, you know, or, or like run more track? But but yeah, it was like I, I was trying to manage it. And they told me it was mild enough, but I just wasn't sure like if I was if I was going to be able to do that. You know what I mean? Yeah. And so I you know I had a fine time with track and field, and then like the coach kept working on me to try and come back and play, and so I came out late in in camp actually. And I don't know, nothing was guaranteed. I was super late. Like everybody was in pads, but they had me doing the ramp up conditioning and stuff like that. So I'm just out there running. And then it's just like a couple of days of, of, you know, uh, practice where I finally got pads on. I, they literally were just throwing me out there at receiver, just wherever, 
you know, right. just like go do something and you just play like you got nothing to lose. Because if you if you play like that, you play free. You're just like, I'm going out there trying to make a play and not worried about the failure part. It's like that's when I played the best. And I think like, you know, that's one thing for um, that's one thing I struggled with at times later on is that you get to it in your head about succeeding right and or like not losing and then you forget right. like i know how i know what to do like mm -hmm. i can play like just go play free and that's what like they tell you know young quarterbacks especially like play free learn how to play fast and then you know the mistakes are going to happen but play the game you know how to play because if you start thinking about making mistakes and you get too caught up in that you're going to make more mistakes yeah, at the end of the day, it's football. I mean, you've been playing a sport probably since you was a kid. I know I started at the age of five. Mm -hmm. um, you know all the things that can happen wrong, so you just focus on the things that you can do right and the things that you know. And the problem is it's so much to learn in such a short amount of time. And, yeah, you know, you could cram all night, cram all day, and still not know it. You know, you got to be able to teach it to somebody else, you know, to really say that you know it. You know, so it, it's so much that can happen in that 25 seconds from when you get into the huddle the the quarterback calls the that that paragraph of a play and he breaks the <laughs> huddle and then you run from the huddle to the line of scrimmage and you're looking at the secondary move and shift and, and move around and trying to look who comes out to cover you and trying to see yeah. the defense fronts and where the linebackers lined up. You hear the you hear the QB call who Mike out and the center calls out who Mike is. And then you're looking inside, you're looking outside, trying to see what coverage they're in so that you can know how to sit down in zone or run away versus man. And then all of a sudden somebody creep up on the line of scrimmage like they're going to blitz. And then you have a brain fart and forget the whole play. And now you're thinking about this guy that's been to come off the line of scrimmage that's not supposed to do that. Mm -hmm. You know, so you have to be on top of your P's, and, your P's and Q's at all times. And there's no room for error. There's no room for mistakes. And if you come in, you got to call that cat blitz or that storm blitz or that linebacker's blitz if you see it and help the quarterback out. And then he may change play right there at the line of scrimmage. Now you got to find out what you got to do next. And you may have to move or shift to go somewhere else. You know, if you're the move shift guy on the team, like I was, and yeah. then you got to go somewhere else and line up somewhere else just to run the next play that he calls, you know? So you just have to be on top of your P's and Q's at all times and be sharp. You know, that's interesting, right? So you talk about yourself as the move shift guy. So you're like, as the, what they call like the move tight end. So it's like people right. got different terminology for like, what you call that? Like the U, like some people call it the U, some people yeah. call it the move. But Tiger. like that's yeah, exactly. So in a moment, we are going to be joined by my guy, Cordell Woodland. Actually, I think we got him in the chat right now. So, yeah. So so hey, so so check this out, everybody. So we've been talking about we, we've been getting y'all, you know, primed and ready for some Ravens coverage and you're know, talking about Lamar Jackson, what to expect from this offense, what to expect from the defense. But, you know, neither one of us are, are there at training camp. And so we're, we're kind of covering this thing from afar. But we have a dude on the line right now who is there, who is at practice all the time and can tell us exactly what's going on. That would be my guy, Cordell Woodland, whom I've talked with a couple of times. He covers the Orioles and the Ravens for 105.7, the fan, and he hosts the Shaking It Up sports show on the same station. What is going on, my man? What's up, fellas? Appreciate What's up, Cordell? How you doing? Have you have y'all met each other by any chance? Have you, have you talked to each other before? 
No, this is I think it's my first time meeting you, Cordell. If I remember correctly, have you have you met me in the past? I don't believe so. Uh, pretty bad with names, but pretty good with faces. So yeah, I, I, I think this too. might be the first. <laughs> All right. Well, well, well. Welcome to the show, my man. We've just been over here getting the people warmed up, talking about preseason football and just like generally having some nerd football talk because I mean, why not? Because it's fun. But we want to talk about what's going on down there in Owings Mills, Cordell. So we've been we've been kicking it around a little bit with with the offense, what to expect from them. I was reading up on some of what Todd Munkin had to say about, hey, look, we are not really good right now. We're not where we want to be, but that's okay because it's early in camp. I see you nodding your head over there, Daniel, because I know you know what that's about. But yeah. when what 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 were you what were you thinking about when when you heard him say that, Cordell? And what have you been seeing down there? Yeah, to be honest, I I've, I feel like he's right. I I don't feel like this offense has hit its peak just yet. And that's not a negative. Uh, it's the right. second week of training camp. You know what I'm saying? Uh, they don't have J.K. Dobbins back there. They're starting running back. They don't have Rashad Bateman out there. They're starting wide receiver. So this is still a work in progress right now for everybody. Um, I think the offense, the good thing is that the offense is trending towards the right direction. This isn't, they don't look the same uh, as they did back in mini camp. Uh, they don't look the same as they did back in OTA. So I, I can tell you the progression has been there. I think um, the communication from Lamar at the line of scrimmage has been a lot better than it was initially. Initially, I remember guys not necessarily catching everything Lamar saying, which resulted mm -hmm. in somebody doing something wrong. Or I remember guys kind of going back to Lamar, asking him to repeat some of the things that he said. Right now, they look like they're in a groove. You don't see him having to repeat anything to people. You don't see too many times uh, where people are running the wrong assignment or anything like that. So I, I think it's going in the right direction. But I, I yeah, I agree with Todd Munkin that they're they're not there just yet. That's great, man. I, I love to hear that. So, I mean, you know, training camp is one of those times where, you know, this is the time to to do all the mistakes and have all those mistakes and have those miscues and stuff. And um, it's, it's definitely going to be a lot of those right now, especially early on. Everybody's learning a new offense, everybody across the board. You know, Cordell, I was one of those guys that every single year for my eight, nine seasons I played in the league, I had a new OC every year. Um, has it looked like it's been hard for Lamar to pick up the offense for you? On your side, not really, not really. He understands the uh, he he knows where receivers are supposed to be. Um, I to be honest with you, I think Lamar's been sharp for the most part in camp. I, I, I think, he, especially starting since Monday, since Monday, he's he's been incredibly sharp. He's only thrown one pick the so far to this point in camp, and it went through Nelson Aguilar's hands. Um, other than Ooh, that, we don't like to hear that. Yeah, I mean, I, and, I, and, and, and Aguilar's had a pretty strong camp in his defense. He's looked good himself. That, yeah, that, okay. That's the positive thing. You haven't necessarily seen the drops that have plagued him throughout his career necessarily show themselves consistently. I'll say consistently with right. him. Now, the back end of mini camp, you did start to see some of the drops start to show up in bunches. I would say like the last two days of mini camp, I don't know what was going on. Yeah. It could, it could have been that, yeah. but we just, we definitely started to, on, on easy plays. I mean, they're hitting them right in the hands and, and he's dropping it. I haven't necessarily seen that from him since training camp has started, but Lamar looks like he, he has a grasp of what 
Todd Monken wants. And the good thing about Todd Monken, he is an attention to detail type of coach. If he sees it, you know, he's going to say, if he sees something wrong, he's going to go say something to you right there after the play. Um, he is very in-depth with his receivers in terms of how he wants them running their routes, how much depth he wants them getting on their routes, where they should be at a certain point in the play. He is he is as close to detail as you could possibly be with that. And I do think that's a good thing because it's rubbing off on other guys. I've seen Lamar kind of taking on that onus of going and talking to guys after plays and trying to get on the same page with them, as opposed to, oh, Lamar would kind of just, oh, it's an incompletion. All right, well, you know, we'll just go back over here, stand with the quarterbacks and on to the next. It's it's like almost like Todd Munkin has been on these guys so much to where the players want to self-govern so that he doesn't have to say anything. If something goes wrong, it's like, mm -hmm. all right, let me, let me say something before Todd does, you yeah. know? So I, I do think um, Lamar does at least have a grasp of the offense. So like I said, it's coming together. The one thing that I haven't seen yet is that, and, and that once I start to see this, I think that's when I'll start to feel like, okay, this offense is starting to show itself right now. We haven't seen necessarily them hitting on the big plays just yet. And it's been for a variety of reasons. It's been Lamar overthrowing guys at times. It's been good coverage where probably the ball shouldn't have been thrown. And it's been times where it's just been flat out dropped. I mean, even OBJ, he hasn't been exempt of it. He dropped a, a, a pass the other day, what maybe Monday or Tuesday, great route he stacks the cornerback he's he's clearly open Lamar puts a beautiful deep ball out there it might have been a 60 yard pass and I mean you don't see this often but it, it goes right through the arms of Odell so it's it's been a combination of everything but I I, I do think they are headed in the right direction we love to hear it and, and you know you're talking about Todd Munkin right there and it reminds me a lot of what we've been hearing from about Bill O'Brien over in Patriots camp because Cordell look okay we talked a couple of times during last season you know how much it hurt me you know how much the Patriots offense caused me pain and and anguish because it was so dysfunctional and ridiculous but right now Bill O'Brien seems to be having that kind of effect where he's coaching up the smallest details and you you haven't heard as many of the the just losing plays and and losing things that happened with that team last year happening in camp. So I'm happy about that. I want to ask you about somebody I haven't got a chance to ask you about yet, who was a favorite of mine coming out in the draft, who now is a Baltimore Raven. And that is Zay Flowers, because everything I hear about Zay Flowers is that he's one of the most impressive players at camp. And I got to know Cordell. I got to know from somebody who's had a chance to see him. Has it really been that good? Uh, it, it, it's been that good when it's been that good, if that makes sense. I mean, good, <laughs> it makes perfect sense. You know, when, when, when Zay Flowers gets an opportunity to, to put on a highlight type of play, that's what's happening. I mean, now, now granted, some of the stuff has been like one-on-ones. It, it was unfair. You know, he, he, you couldn't, you couldn't, they didn't have anybody that can guard Just cook him. him. Yeah. I mean, one-on-one -on -one. it's an open field. I mean, he's got DBs falling Corey Mayfield jr. He, he ended up falling on a double move type of, I mean, it was truly unfair. Now, the one thing I'm waiting for, and this goes back to the offense. 
I haven't seen him necessarily hitting on the big plays in the team drills just yet. Mm -hmm. I have seen him show off a little bit in the red zones. He's popped up, beat a couple of double teams the other day for touchdowns in their red zone team drills. But when they're kind of going the length of the field in the team sessions and you really get the opportunity for him to utilize the whole field and really run a, a, a 50, 60 yard type of route, they've taken some shots to him, but they haven't been able to connect with Got them you. yet. So once he starts to kind of uh, consistently hit on some of these deep balls, when he's consistent, when he has a date, and I was I had Jonah Schaefer on my show uh, tonight, he covers the team from the Baltimore Banner, and I asked Jonas the same question for him, and it and it kind of goes along with what I'm saying. Jonas was saying he would he would get on that page of oh Zay Flowers is the best thing since sliced bread once he starts to see him really kill consistently in the team drills. Right now, he looks really good in the space and drills, the one on ones, the seven on sevens, and obviously when they do the individual drills, you can see the explosiveness there. I mean. He is electric. I'm, I, there's no way around that. He is an electric guy. I know a lot of people like to compare he and Hollywood Brown together, but they're not the same type of player. No, if you look at them, no. they're they're shorter. That's really where it ends. I mean, they're, they're fast guys. Hollywood's a fast guy uh, in his own right, but Hollywood just didn't play. Uh, he, he, the way he played isn't the same way Zay plays. Zay plays more Steve Smith-esque. Zay is a strong guy after the catch. He's the type of guy that, you know, as soon as he gets the ball, him catching the ball is the start of the play. What he does after is, is really the highlight. Man, Cordell, Cordell, just, me, just, go, go ahead, ahead, go ahead. All no, right, Cordell, let me jump right in, man. <laughs> I said the exact same thing about um Zay. I felt like he was a Steve Smith type guy as well. Mm -hmm. Watching him play, he plays tough, man. He plays tough and physical, shifty. He don't mind getting his hands dirty. It's funny just listening to you talk about him just now. Um, and basically what you said is when he don't have to think, he plays phenomenal. You can really see his true athletic ability. But when he has to get into plays and have to think, it slows down a little bit. Mm -hmm. You don't get a chance to see that. And that's what training camp is, right? You know, you got a lot of guys learning a new offense. He's thinking a lot more. He's not quite sure about, you know, what route he's supposed to run. Something, You know, I used to say, man, when in doubt, just run a go route. You know, when in doubt, run a go route. You forget what you go when you got, or you can't remember what you're supposed to run. You ain't got time to ask your, your your neighbor. You know, you just man, just run a go route. So sometimes, um, you know, it, you know, it that's that's exactly what this league does. It throws so much at you so fast, it makes you play slow. You know, yeah. so when you get out there in the one on ones, you can burn by people because right. ain't no thinking. I just got a go route. I got a corner. I got a post. I got an out or a dig or whatever. I can really, really play my best. I just got to make you miss and make you and, and make my move. But as soon as you get in those offensive situations, different. it's different. No, Go ahead, Cordell. No. That's all you was about to say something. Go ahead. Yeah, I mean, what you're saying right now, I had Kadri Ishmael on my show a couple of weeks ago. Right. And I was talking to him about Zay Flowers. And, and that was one of the main things he went to. It's easy to crown these guys in training camp and mini camp and stuff. But it really is it's an adjustment for these young wide receivers when they're lined. I mean, you're talking about it now just in the team sessions and you're mm -hmm. right. But think about it once the real games start and he's going up against defenses that don't necessarily have the script of what's going on. It, it's more competition. They're out there to really knock your head off at that point. And you're going to see different looks that you may not have seen at all during training camp and things like that. And that was what Kadri was talking about is the thinking process right. is as a young wide receiver, 
you know, you 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 see so many different looks. The the uh, the aggression is up. You know, you got more physical corners at this level than you do at the collegiate level. And in in college, man, once they know you're a burner and you're a dude that's dangerous out there, they they're they're quick to give you the space up here. Especially if you're a rookie wide receiver, I mean, they're going to test that. They're going to get right there in your grill. And especially in the AFC North division, where it's as physical as it comes. He's going to have some, I mean, they have three division games in the first five weeks. So he's going to right. get a good taste of it oh, pretty man. early. But I do think that's the one thing that a lot of people aren't thinking about just yet when it, when it comes to Zay Flowers having that adjustment period is it is going to be a different game once he gets out there between the lines and the lights are on and defenses are, are, are giving him different looks than he has seen to that point and is causing him to think a little more that in itself is going to get is going to make the process take a little longer. It's not like he's I mean and he may do it. He may come out and shock us all and just be Odell Beckham his rookie year. I don't know, but I think to Kyle Hamilton last year. Kyle Hamilton was a dude to start the year. It looked like he was lost a couple of times. You think back to that Dolphins mm -hmm. game not necessarily knowing his assignment. Don't don't bring that up. On. Yeah, I mean, I know, and I know that's a sore spot, but as the year goes on, he turns into this dude that's hitting yeah. Hayden Hurst in the last game of the season and forcing fumbles in the open field because right. he's now their best nickel corner. It's just kind of as the game slows down for these rookies, that's when you'll start to see them. But I, I will caution people, don't expect Zay to just be dominant out the gates, out the gates. He may, but we don't know. Well, I mean, that that's the thing, right? It's like people, and, and I mean, Every, who wouldn't want somebody to come out and be like Jamar Chase, their rookie year, or like Megatron, or you talked about OBJ. Who doesn't want that? But they are the exception, not the rule. I mean, right. re wide receiver, cornerback, hard positions to play. I mean, okay, like play, like coming in and, and contributing as a rookie at just about any position, except maybe like punter. <laughs> But I mean, even even then, let, let's let's be real. It can be hard. But yeah, I mean, don't like disrespect the kickers. And yeah, punters, no, I'm not going to disrespect. Out, I'm not going to disrespect the kickers, especially since the Patriots got a dude who's, who's over there booming right now. I got to get down to practice. But I mean, it, it's it's hard to play as as a rookie, especially on the outside when you got all those variables to think about. And you brought up Kyle Hamilton, and I actually want to transition a little bit to the defensive side of the ball here, because I watched a guy in Eddie Jackson in Chicago. His second year, you know, his first year, he he was he was in the right place. He, he generally was doing the right things, but he was a step slow and he missed out on a bunch of plays where you could see him come down on the ball. It's like, ah, oh, man, if he was a step faster, he gets that pass break up or a step faster and he picks that ball off. And then his second year, he started doing it. He was a step faster because, as you said, the game slows down. And Kyle Hamilton, I am squarely looking at him as a guy who's going to who's going to come into this year and be like, oh, I get the speed of the game now. And and I and he's fast enough to play it because he's a wild athlete for that size, please. You know, so so it's like there's so much that he can do defensively. But I actually want to talk about a cornerback. We had we've had a little bit of injury problem. We had Rocky Sen go down from what I can see. Uh, by the reports, he didn't have a tear in his knee, but there's going to be an MRI. So we don't know when he's going to be back. But I've heard some things about Jalen Armour Davis, who was somebody that I was interested in as as like a like a day two pick, you know, for a variety of teams when you know coming out of Alabama. I'm curious, how has he been and has he kind of inspired a little bit of confidence where if if rock isn't good to go, can he step up? 
Well, that's the question. Can I mean, can he do it? And for it's, it's a couple of questions surrounding Jalen Armour Davis from a productivity standpoint and from a health standpoint. I mean, you talk about how good he was in college, and he he was, but that he was he suffered from the injury bug like nobody else, and that's caused his stock to drop come the draft time where the Ravens were able to get him at good value. And even last year, he got hurt last year and productivity hurt him as well. He got benched in that Patriots game uh, because he was really just getting ran by on the regular. And you, at the start of the year, the, the Ravens pass defense was not the same way that it was to end the right. season. They were two totally different teams. So I definitely want to acknowledge that. Um, but Jalen Armour Davis, he, he has to – Number one, he has to find a way to stay on the field. If, if he can stay on the field, he'll give himself a shot. He's got the measurables. I think he has the ability to be able to be that type of physical big corner that they like to have on the outside. But I don't know if they can really depend on him as much as they would need to if we're talking about him being a starter. Um, Rockerson, it you know, early reports seem to be good. Seems like they dodged a bullet with him, but I would – would not be surprised if we don't see him for the rest of training camp or at least until the back end of training yeah. camp um, at this point. So this is an opportunity uh, for Jalen Armour Davis and the rest of the second year corners and the, the corners that they have on this team. We got to talk uh, to Mike McDonald earlier today and DB coach Chris Hewitt the other day. And I'd asked Mike McDonald today just about that corner spot and is this an opportunity right now for a guy like Jalen Armour Davis to step up and, and take the most of his opportunity and he definitely said it is you know obviously with Rock going down they have an opening right there and I think in all actuality I think the Ravens would love for Jalen Armour Davis to kind of step up and be that guy for all the men all the reasons we named but also look it ain't many options left on the open market. I mean, everybody right. is gone. Everybody's right. gone. And so it's kind of like they're at this point now to where they are they have to hope that either Jalen Armour Davis or Pepe Williams or uh, uh, my guy Kavon Seymour, who I, I think has been having a good camp to this to this point, and Brandon Stevens, who's played both corner and safety, they're going to rely on all of those guys right now, and they're kind of hoping that they step up um, because, look, the Ravens are in this Lamar Jackson contract era. They need cheap labor somewhere. Mm -hmm. They'd love to be able to get it right here at the cornerback position uh, if one of these young boys can step up. Okay, so real quick. So so out of all the cor cornerbacks you just named, you know, the the D. Williams, uh, Kavon Seymour's. Uh, I know Caillou is, I think, hurt right now, right? Caillou Kelly. Now, Caillou's out there. Yeah, he's, he's out, out there. there. Mm -hmm. Out of everybody you've seen so far, Cordell, who, who you think is going to step up out of those boys? Who look good to you so far well, with, I, your, I, with your natural eye? I do like Kavon Seymour. I've liked Kavon Seymour since last year. I, I, okay. I, I think he's a guy that a little small, but he plays physical. He's usually in position. Um, and, and he's a he's go, he's a fighter. He's he's going to fight you out there. Now, it's a step down. Let's understand first that there is a big gap from Marlon Humphrey down to the next corner. Yes. And from there, you know, you got Rockerson. That's a little probably, I would say slightly above maybe guys like Jalen Armour Davis and 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 Kavon Seaborn, maybe Daryl World, some of the other veterans on the team as well. But there 
is is a huge gap from Marlon to everybody else. So I say that to say, no matter who is going to be on that other side, whether it's Rocky Sin or one of these other dudes, they're going to get a lot of action on there over there, and they're probably going to give a lot up just because of simply volume. They, I, everybody's going to throw to that side of the ball. I feel like so. I think the Ravens right now, their best bet is to go with somebody that is physical, that can tackle, that's at least in position. And maybe that turns out to be Brandon Stevens. And that may not be who a lot of people want to hear. I don't necessarily know how much they think Brandon Stevens could play on the outside. Because to be honest with you, I haven't seen a lot of Brandon Stevens on the outside so far this year in training camp. I've mostly seen him uh, playing a little bit of that safety, playing some in the box, playing some nickel, but I haven't seen him so much on the outside. Last year, he predominantly was outside, and really the year before, he was basically predominantly an outside corner. Um, and and I think what kind of hurts him is that he he's not that great when the ball is in the air. He's good mm -hmm. at being in position. He's a big physical corner. He can run with pretty much everybody, but when the ball is in the air, he just he'll the receiver just always seems to come down with the ball and then sure he'll make the tackle after that but you don't want the receiver always catching the ball you know so um that's that's kind of the only issue with him I think that right now I think they want Jalen Armour Davis to be the guy they, he's getting the first opportunity I think to get an opportunity to take over on that outside for me, I'd like to see Kavon Seymour. I think Daryl Worley is possibly a dark horse as well. And I think Arthur Mullet is a dark horse also, uh, the veteran okay. that they just got from Pittsburgh not too long ago. Sweet. Excellent. Sweet. So we know about the secondary. The secondary's got some players, right? Safeties and corners. I mean, okay, so you mentioned you might have one hole at corner. And then you got linebackers. You got Pat Queen. And you got Roquan, whom again, Chicago in right here. Roquan Smith. I'm I am I've always been a fan. I want to know about these pass rushers, Cordell. And in particular, I I mean, I was so intrigued and almost to the point of like they can't keep getting away with this when the Ravens got David Ajabo off off the injury and they were able to stash him for a year. Is he is he looking like somebody who could be an impact player and just generally? How does it look like this Ravens team is going to get after the passer? Because it, if I feel like if they can get after the passer, they're going to be extremely problematic. Yeah, and they have to get after the passer. I mean, just kind of what we talked about at the cornerback position, they, they're going to be relying on getting to the quarterback to not leave whoever that other corner is out there on the island, but for so long. Um I would say on David Ajabo, David Ajabo's look good. Now, the last couple of days, he's been dealing with a little bit of an injury himself. He left practice early a couple of days ago for a lower body-ish uh, injury. I'm not exactly sure what specifically the injury was. I didn't see the play happen. I did see him walking off the field with the trainers. The good thing is he came back maybe 10 minutes or so later, no more than 10 minutes later. He didn't do anything else in practice, but he wasn't standing next to the trainers. He was back with the team, which was a good sign. He was out there today, um, but I didn't see him do anything. He was dressed for practice and everything, but I didn't see him do anything in individual. I didn't see him do anything in team. And he left practice early again with the trainer. So it's definitely something we're monitoring um, right now. But in terms of what he's looked like when he has been out there, he's looked great. I mean, to be honest with you, he's looked great. He looks like their best natural pass rusher that they have on the team. And if he can stay healthy, 
I would have a hard time envisioning him not getting to at least eight sacks, something like that. Like, I, I think he's going to be a problem um, in a lot of teams' backfields. Uh, Adafe Owe, this is a big year for Adafe. It's year three, you know, um, he's got to show something in the sack production. And a, a lot of what Adafe has done in terms of the positive hasn't shown up on the box score. And unfortunately, when you're an edge rusher, when you're looked at to be a team's pass rusher, sacks matter. I mean, especially come contract time, that's what you're going to, you know, that's what you're going to, to kind of help you get that payday. And right into this point in his career, the sacks have not been there for him. Now, should we be surprised? No. Coming out of his out of out of Minnesota his last year, he had zero sacks. That was the big topic of discussion at that point. Maybe this is just who he is. I don't know. I've had to tell myself that, like, are we the crazy ones that are trying to get this guy to be somebody that maybe he's not? Um, but the addition of Chuck Smith, they go out and get pass rush guru Chuck Smith to help uh with these pass rushes and Chuck, everybody loves Chuck. You know, he his his track record is is out there. It's proven around the league. And he comes in and he automatically has a lot of respect from a lot of these guys in the locker room. So you, his his immediate impact will be looked at by how good Adafe Owe is. He's the project. That's who right. Chuck Smith was brought in to work with, really, Adafe Owe. Mm-hmm. And we talked to Adafe Owe the other day, and he was talking about how this is the first time he's felt truly healthy going into a training camp since sophomore year in college. Um, He talked about how now he's pretty much accepting the fact that he's more of a power rusher and not necessarily a speed rusher. And Mm -hmm. now he's converting speed into power. He's learning to get that signature move. And we talked to Chuck Smith a couple of weeks ago. That was his thing when I asked him about Adafi Owe, what needs to happen for Owe to take that next step. First thing he says is he's got to get a signature move. We got to work on him getting that signature move. And once he does, that'll be able to help him get to his secondary moves and things of that nature just to beat his man. But last year, Dafe Owe was kind of like that almost guy. Justin Houston led the team in sacks last year, but a lot of Justin Houston sacks came from Dafe Owe either forcing the quarterback that way or breaking out of a sack that should have been to an away and it ends up being Houston and not all of them. Obviously I don't want to take right. that away from Justin right. Houston. I just say it to say that Adafi Owe did do things last year that didn't necessarily show up in the box score. But I do think this year, the thing with him is we, we got to see it. We have to see you start to finish plays. He understands that as well. So he's looked good, but he always looks good this time of year. What is he going to look like when the season starts is the real question. Yeah, and you know what? To that point, I just looked it up. Justin Houston and Adafi Owe had the same number of pressures last year, 39. But Adafi Owe only had four sacks, and Justin Houston had 11. Mm -hmm. So it's like you got to convert the pressure into sacks. And some of that, though, is that you're pushing the sacks into somebody else's laps, and that's just how it goes. Danny, I'll turn it over to you for the last word for Cordell Woodley. Hey, Cordell, man, we appreciate you coming on, man. Thank you for representing the black and gold. Sure. I mean, the black and purple, you know, with the Ravens, man, um, I bleed purple, you know, so it's always good to get some inside light. You know, I'm not at training camp this year. I'm down here in Atlanta, Georgia, you know, hanging out, man. But just wanted to say thank you very much, man. And this is something that we always did when I was up there with the Ravens in the player personnel department for the one off season I was there. If you had to say out of the 53 man roster, who's the number one player on the team who gets your vote? 
Oh, I mean, it's it's got to be Lamar Jackson. I, My I, guy. Yeah, it's, it's, it's Lamar. I mean, the that's the whole reason. I'm not going to say the whole reason, but it starts with Lamar as to why you have hope and optimism about this year. If if I'll tell you this, especially with what's going on with J.K. Dobbins right now, if Lamar Jackson is playing on the tag this year, I don't know if Ravens fans are as optimistic about what's going on, but him signing that deal opens Huge. up the gates of the possibility of, okay, the Super Bowl window is still open for Baltimore right now. How long it's going to be open, I don't know, but at least with number eight, you always have a chance out there. It starts with him. You take him off this team, they're a totally different roster. You could keep right. everybody else. You could keep everybody else on this team. I, For me and my money, Lamar Jackson is 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 the man. He He's the guy that's the straw that stirs the drink. I call him the, the best dual threat quarterback this game has seen. Um, a lot of people are talking about Lamar running less this year. I still think if Lamar plays a full season, he'll get a thousand yards rushing in his sleep. He don't have, he, he won't have to try. And I think Lamar should be able to get to 4,000 yards passing this year. So if he's a 4,000 yard passer and a thousand yard rusher, good luck keeping him off of any of these dumb quarterback lists that they put people like Dak Prescott and all those guys ahead of Lamar. Good luck doing that. Uh, because I think if Lamar can put it all together, it's all about being healthy for him. I think if he stays healthy, and his supporting cast stays mostly healthy, I, I truly believe you'll get to see how, how great of a player he really is. If if he's Man. healthy, that's an MVP-level player basically every time. That's all I'm going to add to what you said, Cordell, because you said it all. And thank you so much for joining us, man. It was a blast. Thank you for giving us the pers the perspective from down there. And you know, man, because I mean, we we've been doing this back and forth for a little while. You know, I'm gonna hit you up again to come oh, yeah. back on because you're the goods. I got you, man. Appreciate y'all having me, man, for sure. Yes, Thanks, sir. Cordell. Yeah, go go take go take care of the little man. Is he sleeping right now? <laughs> he they got here not too long ago, and he was sleep. I don't hear him right now, so he might still be asleep or he might asleep. just be watching Mickey Mouse. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, there we go. Yeah, uh, uh, my, my wife just put mine down for a little while. But, you know, I swear every morning around 1.30, I turn over in, in, in the bed and I hear some noise. I open my eyes and she's over here, got the curly mess of hair right next to the bed. Bam. And I'm just like, oh, God, now I got to take her back. But that but you, you got a couple years yet before you get to yeah, that. Yeah, I do. I do. Thankfully, I'm I'm trying to enjoy it. He he's a couple of weeks away from wall uh, from crawling. I'm sure he's already uh -oh. eight months now, and that's oh that's no. Yeah, it's like all yeah. and and then all your freedom is gone. It's, okay, I'll let you get yeah. back to it, man. Thank you so much, Cordell Woodland from 105.7. The fans doing Cordell. everything down there. It, Ravens, Orioles. Peace out, my man. That was man. awesome, man. Cordell did a great job, man. I'm glad he came on. Yes, that and, and you know what? That's the goods because look, you and I, like I, 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 you know, having so much fun talking to you about this game, you know. But I think that the cool thing that he did was really give us the on the ground perspective of what's going on. That again, we're upfront about it. You know, we don't we don't have that here. We are interested in this team, like we are following this team, right? We're reading up everything we can. We're watching every bit of video that we can, and and that's the thing. When the games happen, that's yeah. gonna be easier for us because we're gonna be watching the we're gonna be watching the games, watching the film afterwards. I I mean, like, and and I I will love having your your film 
you know, can't knowledge wait. of what we're seeing. Can't wait, man. I'm excited about this season coming up, man. I'm excited about training camp right now. And, you know, these guys, you know, the the, the thing that, that separates one team from the next is injury. Injury and chemistry. You know, the chemistry is right. You can go real, real far in this league. Like Cordell was saying, like Lamar was my number one guy that year, and he wasn't the number one guy for the whole staff that year, but he was my number one guy hands down because I saw something different in him than I've ever seen. And, you know, when you play this game as long as I have, you look at quarterbacks differently than a lot of people do, you know, and I looked at him like, man, this guy's so freaking dynamic. Like I would, I would never stop running around because I know I got the opportunity to get the ball from him. Like, like can, plays. And, and can we talk about that real quick? Yeah. Because from a fan perspective, and I even think from an executive perspective, there's this idea that people fall in love with the, the old school, old timey, traditional quarterback that sits back there in the pocket and just mm -hmm. does like all the traditional things a quarterback can do, like, you know, steps up in the pocket, slide, 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 throw, or, or, or just like gets the ball out in like two seconds. And, and look, all of that is valuable to quarterbacking at times. But what you just said, right, when you play the game as long as you have, you you see a guy like Lamar Jackson, you're like, that brother's different. Yeah. And and I feel like sometimes that is hard for people to grasp because there's like, he runs as a quarterback, like, oh, I just want to see him throw the ball. And, and you want to take away one of the most dynamic skill sets this game has ever seen just because it's not traditional? That drives me insane. That drives well, you know that, me nuts. You know, you know what that's about, though, Kyrie. I, you know, that's, I, I mean, that's, I I do, but you know, yeah. you know, as part of it is, you know, a lot of people, you know, look at um at the quarterback position, like the point guard position, you know, in, in basketball, right? You know, so a lot of people want to see the quarterback be Jason Kidd, be very, very unselfish and pass the rock every opportunity he get. They don't want to see him be a Michael Jordan where he shoots the ball, you know, more than anybody else on the team. So. You know, shooting the ball is like running the ball at QB. You know, passing it, passing it, passing it is what QBs are supposed to do. Passing it is what point guards are supposed to do. You know, so when they get somebody that's 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 not traditional, like a Steph Curry, you know, it, it you know, Steph Curry changed the game. So does Lamar Jackson. You know, it's time for a change. And I think Lamar is just is he exemplifies to me what confidence is. And when I say that, I'm saying that in the standpoint of when you have a person like Lamar on the field. Not only is the, does the defense play better, but the offense plays better. You know, everybody around him wants to play good for him, and the defense know if they make a mistake, he's going to he's got their back. And that's so it's 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 a, such a different feeling, man. Like me playing in Baltimore, you know, during the Cal Bola area uh, era, and you know, you hear a lot of people complaining about the Cal Bola area. I mean, era, and then when Steve McNair came in. It was like, oh yeah, we we got a chance. Now we yeah. almost went to the Super Bowl the first year Steve came in. Like the whole, it was the exact same team we had the year before. All we did was get a new QB, and um, you know, Steve came in, and all of a sudden everybody just had confidence, man. Like the defense played harder, played better. The offense played harder, played better, and we almost went to a daggone Super Bowl, you know. And it's it's just it's that crazy. That's what Lamar gives you. He gives you hope on the offensive side of the ball. And you, an offensive lineman know if they miss a block, Lamar going to make that guy miss. Just go to the next guy. You know, a running back knows if he gets open in the flat, Lamar going to find him. You know, the, the receivers and tight ends know if all they got to do is just get open. And if they can't get open, Lamar going to buy some extra time for them to get open later. You know, so they all work because of that. You know, and on the defensive side of the ball, they know if they made one mistake, Lamar could get the ball back 
the market market get them back in the game at any moment, any second, and he's giving them a chance if they keep the game close. You know, by the end of the game, he's gonna give them a chance to win it. You know, that's what Brady did in New England. That's yeah. what Peyton Manning did in, in Indianapolis. You know, that's what Brady did down in Tampa. You know, that's what Drew Brees yeah. did in New Orleans. And that's what you're starting to see right now with Lamar. And this is for me, this is the first time, you know, in, in a lot in a long time where you could just get so freaking excited about the Ravens offense. It's been defense since 96. But yeah. now over the last three, four years, you can't wait to see what the offense for the Baltimore Ravens is gonna do. And you're excited to see number eight, put on that purple jersey and that black jersey and go out there and represent the city of Baltimore the way it's supposed to be represented. I mean, that number eight black and purple gold jersey looked like a Superman cape when he's wearing it. And I guess like that, that's the thing, like with, you know, Michael Vick and like the Randall Cunninghams and the Steve McNairs, right? Paved the way for what, like they paved the way for what Lamar Jackson is now. But right. the wild thing is he's better. Like he he's he he he's he's arguably like more talented and like better as a passer. Like he's the the revolutionary skill set this man has. Like, you know, Cordell's talking about a four thousand yard season and a thousand yard rushing season as a quarterback. Like, do you have I, I mean, I don't need to tell you this, but like for everybody that's like yeah, like that is completely ridiculous. Like, like if he were to even approach that level of season, that would be one of the wildest seasons a quarterback has ever had. But that's the kind of thing that is possible. It's possible if Lamar Jackson stays healthy. That's the insane thing. And I feel like the other thing, too, is that he has made it. I mean, even Patrick Mahomes, to a lesser extent, though, Patrick Mahomes doesn't run the way that Lamar runs, but he can run. The, the, the existence of guys like that, makes it possible for guys like Jalen Hurts and now somebody that a lot of people are talking about that I personally want to see really succeed, Justin Fields, who also snuck into the back end of that that you know top 100 players list. And the people were like, what are you talking about? What is he? Why does he belong on that list? It's for the same reason you talked about, because people look at him and they see like, yeah, the passing numbers might not be there. He might fumble. He might throw interceptions, but he puts on the Superman cape, you know, yeah. and, and like that, that kind of stuff is possible for them in the way that it's not possible for like 90% of the quarterback, you know, 90% of the quarterbacks to play this game. Right. Yeah, I'm a Justin Fields fan too, only because he's from Atlanta, Georgia. You know, he That's represents true. Atlanta hard, man. He's a he's an ATL guy. Oh, yeah. You know, so he I always love to reps see him it. out there doing this thing, man. I really do. I'm I'm proud of him. And he had a heck of a season last year as well. And I hope he come back and, and do it again this year and do it even better. You know, I think he's a I think they got a team that's gonna sneak up on some people, but they're not gonna sneak up on some people as much as the Ravens are. You know, people oh, have been sleeping it. on us for the last couple of years because of all these injuries, you know. But now we got some guys out here that could go get it. You know, at the receiver position, we've already been loaded on the defensive side of the ball. And I don't I, I mean, I, I heard what Cordell said about that other corner. You know, what you do in that situation is you put a safety over there. And you got a heck of you got a heck of a safety safety core on this team. You know, you put a safety over there to help him out. He jam at the line of scrimmage. The safety has him over the top. He stays underneath. You throw it if you dare, and you let the Marlon Humphrey knock lock down the other side of the field by himself and and you figure it out, man. But you, I tell you what, one corner is not going to make us lose any games this year. We're going to figure this thing out. Yeah, no, they'll 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 figure it out. And yeah. I swear, I mean, I'm gonna say this right now: let the Ravens get to a Super Bowl, let them win a Super Bowl. I will be completely insufferable. Yeah. 
Like I, I, I will be the most obnoxious <laughs> person on social media. I will be right. every, every anti-running quarterback dog whistle dude out there that, that, that likes to talk. I will be just completely, I'll be a menace. Like, Okay, but but you know what? We're we're gonna have plenty of time to talk about this this season. I got plenty of time to get myself lathered up. We're 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 gonna we're gonna get there together because we're both on the same page. But yo, this has been one hell of an episode of Believe in Ravens, and it's only gonna get better from here, yo. This is Kyrie Thompson. That's Daniel Wilcox. Till next time, y'all. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.